It's the day of first. I've uh, never, ever in my life been called Mr. Hooper. So um, uh, I got a call or a text last night from Grant uh, Lowe, and uh, he asked if I could uh, pinch hit and uh, speak in chapel. And I said, of course. Uh, I've been uh, second choice my uh, whole life at Covenant. Uh, I was four years on the JV soccer team. Um, so, absolutely. Um, Shout out to all you B-teamers. Um, there is enough um, brokenness in this world and in this room that if we wrote it down in a scroll and began to roll it out, it would roll down this mountain and still be going. It's true. And yet God says something about his word Anybody have to clean X's or tissues or something? Um, it speaks to every human heart. Actually, uh, Holy Spirit uses Scripture in such a way that um, it knows uh, our souls so well that it's a balm. Uh, so before even uh, I begin, I want to just take a few moments, and um, I want you all to just pray. And I want you to really think, where are you desperate to hear and know Holy Spirit's working? Um, Where do you need to be reminded King Jesus is the King of? So just spend a few moments uh, praying. Lord, you are the one who orchestrates it all. This is your world. And you are the king of it. You're the author of creation. And uh, it's just good news. And Lord, we're going to see this morning that you're the one who's also writing the story. In the end, (coughs) you win. And you're victorious. And Lord, we as your people just need to hear that this morning. We pray this all, Lord, in the name of your Son, our Savior, Christ. Amen. <clears throat> um, so I, I did go to Covenant, and um, I love my time here. Uh, my junior year it was the uh, uh, February 2016 and uh, I was living on 2nd Central in Carter Hall. Yes. Um, and uh, I began to get the, you know, the seasonal sickness. And I uh, had the cold, the kind of the achy, uh, all, that, all that good stuff. And along with that, I had this lump on my neck uh, right above my collarbone. It would go up and down and up and down. And eventually, it actually wouldn't go back down. And so finally, uh, it got so big that people thought I was really uh, pumping iron. Um, I was not, I assure you. Um, but I, I went to my, uh, see my family one weekend, and my brother's a nurse, so I thought, I'll ask my brother who's a nurse about this lump on my neck. And before I could ask him, my, my dad saw it, and he said, you, you really need to get that checked out. 
Um, and so we're driving back, my, my fiance at the time, uh, we're driving um, back here to Covenant, and uh, she's just weeping. She has a sense of something wrong, and uh, I just tried to say anything to make her stop crying. Um, and I went to the pre-sale center the next day on a Monday, went to see a, a ears, nose, throat specialist on Wednesday, and then on Thursday, um, February 18th, 2016, three years ago today, I, I walked out of Mills Hall to take a call from that ears, nose, throat specialist, and he began to say these buzzwords, right? Um, uh, running tests, biopsies, all of these things, and, and eventually he said uh, cancer and chemotherapy, and I said, this sounds pretty serious, Dr. Barnes, and he said, I don't think you realize how serious it, it really is. Um, I was diagnosed uh, then with uh, Hodgkin's lymphoma. There's a, a cantaloupe-sized mass in my chest, um, and I did three months of chemotherapy and, and three weeks of radiation. And the last thing I want from you uh, is pity. Very last thing. Um, I was sick, and I, I needed help, and so I went through all that treatment. Um, that's why I got treatment. But another reason I had treatment was this. It's because, actually, the doctors believed that I wasn't too far gone. We can read the news, get on our phones, and it's quick to see this world seems like it's too far gone. Uh, this place that we know and we call home is so broken and so messed up and so skewed that we don't know what to do. Actually, it seems like the greatest hope we have is just to teleport and be away from this place because then we'll have relief. And if that's true, then what we really should be uh, doing, right? If, if this world is all there is, we should eat, drink, and be merry. And actually, uh, this time together is, doesn't really mean anything if this is all there is. If that's it. If this is all there is, the greatest hope we have is to get as far away from here as we can. And that's just not hopeful. And if that's actually true, right? If this is such a broken world and this is it, uh, Jesus is a liar. Who he is and what he's doing is not true. It's not. And if this is all there is, Erlanger wasted so much of its resources on me to, to get rid of my cancer. I want to look at this story this morning uh, about the end, right, the future of what it looks like. The story of Scripture, the, the, the orchestration of Scripture, <clears throat> of what the future looks like. Actually, it's really hopeful. Um, and so, I want us to ask this morning, Jesus, what are you doing? You're King and you're Lord and you're, and you're Savior, but what are you up to right now? And as we ask that question, we, it's, it's good to look at the end and see what the end looks like. Because it's such a beautiful ending. Um, so let me read it. You can open your Bible or just listen. Uh, it's Revelation 21, verses 1 through 7. Then 
I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth have passed away. There was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eye. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. The old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making all things new. Then he said, write this down. These words are trustworthy and true. He said to them, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost. From the spring of the water of life, those who are victorious will inherit all of this, and I will be their God, uh, and they will be my children. Uh, the end of our story is hopeful. But what is, what's the nature of our hope? Right? What's the nature of our hope? And John's writing to people, right, these people in persecution, these Christians, and he's saying, this is what the end looks like. This is comforting. This is, this is healing. This is hopeful to those who are persecuted. And he covers a lot of ground in Revelation. And when I say he covers a lot of ground, I mean, I don't really know everything he talks about. But what he's trying to say to this audience is, in Revelation 21, we get a picture of this. It's worth it. In the end, this king you're following will reign. Right? In verse 1 and 2 it says, Then I saw a new heaven and new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. <clears throat> and then there was no longer any sea. I saw, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. We see that the climax of history is not us leaving this place, getting as far away from this brokenness as possible. Actually, in fact, what the climax of history is, is heaven coming down to this place. This place is actually a good place. It's a, it's a good thing. Creation is intended to be a good thing. And God doesn't simply annihilate it in the end and create this new heaven and this new earth. But actually he says, I'm going to make something new out of it. Right? It's called the new heavens and the new earth, not the second heavens and the second earth. Because actually the holiness of God comes down, purifies and perfects this place to the point where we are with him. Right? It says new, and it's not the sense of um, a brand new. It's, it's the sense of gloriously rejuvenated. Things made perfect. Things that are broken made uh, new and perfect. It's so perfect. And one of the most beautiful phrases is that it says, coming down out of heaven from God. Uh, Miroslav Volf, a, a theologian, says that there's, there's, he talks about this old distinction uh, between uh, mystical religion and prophetic religion. In, in mystical religion, the greatest thing you can do is get as far away from here and go to the arms of God and stay there. 
Uh, But in prophetic religion, right, the Christian faith, we believe that actually you're to experience God, be with God, and then when you come back down to this earth, you have a purpose. There's a positive purpose for this place that's broken and being made new. In our faith that's supposed to be prophetic and transformative malfunctions when we see it as a mystical faith. When we see the Christian faith as a faith that gets us so far from this place, that's not actually that hopeful. That doesn't have a category and a purpose and an intent for Covenant College's campus, for Chattanooga, Tennessee, for the United States, for the world. Because the goal and the nature of our faith is this, everything will be made new. Everything. So the nature of our faith is that the world will be transformed, and actually the hope of it is that God will do it. God's going to do it. We see that in verses 1 and 2. That's the nature, but why do we need this hope? Why do we need it? Human beings are uh, people driven by hope. We are hope-seeking, hope-shaped creatures. We're a people who actually, we think about the future, and we live according to that future. Just who we are. I think we as PCAers, as, as Covenant Collegers, um, we are right. We know it. Right? We have this, this cognitive, um, emphasized way of thinking, way of living, way of acting. And it's not a bad thing, right? We, we do know a lot, but the backside weakness of that is that actually we're, we're constipated. Right? We know all this stuff, and then we, we live life, and we feel this chasm between what we know and actually what life is like. Right? There's this humongous chasm of trying to bridge it. You're going to feel it when you graduate, I promise you. So there's this chasm, and it's hard to process life. Actually, when we feel this chasm, it's hard to be hopeful. And it's hard to actually experience God when all we do is just think, 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 postulate, postulate, postulate. And actually, it's hard to be hopeful when you can't even experience God. When we divorce the experience of God from our knowledge, we will be a hopeless people. I don't know a lot of things in life. I haven't lived a lot of life, but I know that. Now, we have to actually be in touch with our God because that's what's going to happen in the future. It's a foretaste of what's to come. So when we die, do we believe we're just going to rot? That it's just going to be over? That people won't remember us? Or do we believe that actually God's up to something and he's renewing this very place? He's, re- he's renewing every person in the seat today in this room, in this city, in this country, in this world. Do we believe that, Covenant College? I know we know it, but do we believe it? Because in the end, a creature and creation will be reunited with his creator. Is that hopeful? I would love for you to think about that. 
doesn't inspire hope. Now, we need hope, right? We're hope-shaped creatures. We need it. But we need, actually, a hope that meets our greatest need. We need a hope that meets our greatest need. Makes sense. But we think that, actually, to fix things is to add more infrastructure, more education, uh, a better environment, uh, a more equally uh, equitable distribution of wealth. We do need those things. And actually all those things will be in the new heavens and the new earth. But what I want to tell you is this. We aren't the agents that make that happen. We aren't. Now, we, we, we live purpose-filled lives where, where God uses us in those ways, but I'm telling you now, God is the one that uses us. Because actually, what we really need is a hope that meets our need, and our greatest need is not simply that our sins are taken away. It's not. That's, that, that, that fixes us legally and forensically. To use a fancy word. Actually, what we need is a hope that actually meets our greatest need in such a way where we're reunited. Where our greatest need is met, and our greatest need is this, that human beings, right? The image of God is with their God in the end. Look in verses uh, 3 with me. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. And they will be his people, and God himself will be their God. Our greatest hope is due, our greatest need, excuse me, is due to the separation from our God. It's something we've felt for centuries and centuries. Separation from God. Actually, the greatest hope and the greatest balm of that is that we'll be reunited. My grandfather passed away this past summer. He was an amazing man amazing he was the patriarch of our family and uh they say you know holidays the the loudest chair is the empty one that's what we felt this past thanksgiving and christmas Uh, because when we would gather as a family uh, we'd be in one room and all of a sudden it would just get kind of quiet and everyone knew he had the floor it was understood and and he would pray and um he would always end his prayers in tears and he always ended his prayers the same exact way. He said, Lord, we, this is our family. And one day, this family will be with you. My grandfather's greatest hope met his greatest need. And actually, he's living that hope out right now. We need a hope that meets our greatest need. And when that happens, actually, God will take care of us. It says in God's word, in verse 4, it says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Friends, when we are with God and because He's reigning, all the old things have passed away. Every angst you feel now or in your dorm room, or life after Covenant College, or when you're a father or a mother. 
all of that anguish will be taken away when we're with our God. That's hope. It's hope because it meets our greatest need. And yes, it's the future, but also it's what's happened in the past. Right? Adam and Eve, they're in the garden with their God, walking, being with their God, the creator in creation. That's how it's going to be in the end. In the new heavens, in the new earth, the new creation, that's our creator. And finally, I just want to ask, uh, why does it even matter? Right? If we have this this hope that brings heaven down and transforms this place and, and, and our greatest need is met when we're with God, not simply that our sins are taken away. Why does it even matter? Verses 5 and 7 through 7. He who is seated on the throne said, I'm making everything new. Then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. It's two things that we have to know for this to matter. It's two things, and it's the most elementary things. And I think it's two things that we lose so often. We actually have to believe in the cross. In John 4, uh, Christ comes into contact with this Samaritan woman at the well. And he's talking to her, and uh, he begins to really give her hope. To the point where he says, uh, he says, Jesus answered her, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give will be will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. He's quenching thirst with this woman. And in the end, we just heard, he quenches the thirst for all his people in the new heavens and the new earth. But then we hear on the cross that he's thirsty. And then we hear on the cross, Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What are you doing, Jesus? You've talked so much about you're going you're gonna to quench thirst and now you yourself are thirsty? How is that hopeful at all? And it's only because, uh, right, the, the, his thirst was our thirst. To the point where, yes, the Samaritan woman uh, came in contact with Jesus and was never thirsty again. And in the end, right, when, when we are with our God, we will never thirst again. Only because Christ had a substitutionary thirst. And a substitutionary atonement and a substitutionary hopefulness that's ours. So, yes, it's about the cross, uh, but also it's another simple thing. It's about the resurrection. Christ is called the first fruits of creation, right? His resurrection is the first installment of what is to come, of the newness. So yes, we believe he died, but also we believe he has risen. Because when he's risen and we believe that, actually we know I'm with him. I'm united to him. What's true of Christ is true of me. And that's actually when we begin living like Revelation 21 is for us. 
That's when we begin living, not just that Christ took away our sins, but that's actually when we begin living like Christ is a conqueror. We're looking at Revelation 21, but in Revelation 17, Christ and and the enemy are fighting. And it says uh, they will wage war against the Lamb, Lamb being Christ. But the Lamb will triumph over them because he is the Lord of lords and the King of kings. And with him will be his called, chosen, and faithful followers. The greatest hope we have is not for Christ uh, to take away our sins. The greatest hope we have is one day we are going to reign with Christ when he binds up the one that tries to entangle us now. And actually, he's, he's the one who, who conquers them, and we conquer with Christ. We are with him. At the end of Buddha's life, he said three words. It was strive without ceasing. Strive uh, without ceasing. At the end of Jesus' life on the cross, he said, it's finished. And here, John is writing to the people in need of desperate hope and comfort. And he's saying, he's hearing Jesus sit on the throne and say to him, tell the people this. Write this down. This is trustworthy and true. It's done. It's done. I'm the Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end. The thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. For those who are victorious will inherit all this. I will be their God and they will be my children. So, to conclude, what I want us to know is that the plan for this world has never, ever, ever changed. Actually, the end looks much like the beginning. Revelation and Genesis are tied very closely together only because of Christ. Because we hear in Genesis the story of of, uh, God making creation. In in Revelation, we see the new heavens and the new earth. We see these luminaries, stars, moon, sun, made in Genesis. And actually in Revelation, we see there's no need for a sun. Because the Lamb is its lamp. We see this scene in Genesis where mankind flees from God. And in Revelation, we see that God and man are together in a new creation. The greatest hope we have is not that our sins are taken away. We have to have that because we're sinners. And Christ completely does that. I'm so thankful. But it's only the beginning because it's then. Not only is it substitutionary atonement that's ours, but also it's substitutionary hopefulness. Because one day, this place and heaven will be one. And there will never be Hodgkin's lymphoma ever again. And I'm going to see my grandfather again. It's my hope. I know it's going to happen. Because of what's true of Christ is true of me. Covenant College, what is hope for you? The promises 
that we know is going to come in, in Revelation 21. How is that hopeful for you today? We're, we're, we're living hard lives, and the world is a hard place. But I just want to leave you with this. You are not being persecuted like the church in Revelation was. John's audience was being oppressed and persecuted and killed. That's not our story right now. But what the message is to them is the same message I need and you need, and it's this. It's that Christ wins. He takes away our sin, but also he gives us hopefulness. In the end, the enemy that is after you this very moment, Christ will bind up. And we're going to reign with him in this place. That's the beauty of our story. That's the beauty of our hope. That the end looks much like the beginning, where our greatest need is met when we're with our Savior. Let's pray. Lord, sometimes uh, this gospel we believe, we think it's too good. And sometimes we think this gospel we believe is just not even good enough. But Lord, when we see a foretaste of what's to come, because of who Christ is and because he took on our thirst, Lord, may that inspire hope in us because what's true of Christ is true of us. He is reigning right now. And Lord, we will reign with him. All the sad things will be made untrue. So Christ, it's you we follow. It's you we hope in. Lord, you are the Lamb of God who gives light to the world. You did it when you came in incarnation. And Lord, you will do it when you are reigning on the throne in the new heavens and the new earth. And you're the one we follow. Pray this in your name, Christ. Amen.